You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson, former NFL and college scout. I was at ESPN for 10 years, and you have reached the Locked On NFL podcast. If I sound a little tired, if I sound a little tired, I apologize. I slept very little last night. And as some of you noticed from my tweet, it's going to be a weird week or two. Well, it's going to be a weird two weeks for sure on the Locked On NFL podcast here. And here's what's going on is we do have a schedule in place where Tuesday's draft day, Thursday's Sando, Schofield on, on Wednesday. However, my 12-year-old son is having a pretty serious back surgery early, early tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning. And I will be in the hospital all day, of course, Tuesday, and he's going to be spending a few nights there. So I am going to have to come back and forth over those days and take care of my daughter and do a bunch of other things, but I don't know how much podcasting I'll be doing. I'm hoping that things will be good to go by Sando at noon on Thursday, but I don't know that for sure. Um, Maybe I can get a guest or another podcast here and there in the evening to you guys, Um Friday, Saturday, maybe I'll do one over the weekend, because then we, on Tuesday morning, well, Tuesday late morning, I am driving from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis, it'll be a week from this Tuesday where my son's having the surgery, um, for Steeler Nation Radio, and so that'll be a six-hour day of transit, and then we have the Steeler dinner thing that we're going to go to, so next Tuesday there definitely won't be a show, and... This Tuesday, probably the day you're listening to this, there obviously is or was not a show because I was in the hospital. And then I don't know exactly how to do the best way to do the podcast from the Combine, too. So I will be at the Combine from Tuesday morning is when we transit till Saturday after my show. So I'm going to do shows from the hotel room at the Combine and or, you know, getting different guests I know the draft dudes and all those guys are going to be there too, so maybe I'll grab them and we'll still have the regular conversations. I plan on having a beverage with Sando anyways, so maybe we'll do the normal routine. So I need to play all that by ear because when I do get to the Combine, I'm on the air from 10 to 1 every day, then I get an hour for lunch, and then I'm on from 2 to 4 every day. So that's when I'll be live on SNR. Um which is great. It's going to be a blast. I love the Combine. I'll see a ton of people down there. I'll gather a bunch of notes for y'all, gather up you know, some, some interviews and whatnot. I just don't know how regular the podcast will be, and it won't be the normal routine. But the following week, post-Combine, we'll be back at it as usual, the normal off-season routine that you guys really liked from last week. That was the first week of that. Um, and there'll be plenty of Combine stuff to talk about, too, of course. So that's good stuff. So what I'm doing today, again, to pull back the curtain, it's Monday around 4-ish Eastern, just doing some Twitter questions and doing some tagging conversations. And over the next 24 hours or so, we're going to get franchise transition tags all in. Um, So that's the plan there. Uh, Real quick before we do, I want to take one Twitter question too, because several of you asked me the same question basically, is... What's the Jag situation at quarterback? I mean, do you think it's going to be Nick Foles in a second-round pick? Could it be a Bridgewater? Do they trade up? I really think that the Jags think they're close. 
and I tend to disagree with them, but that's fine. If you remember two years ago, I know they were Final Four team with a dominant defense and a plan and a running game and Fournette, and I get that, but they were 10-6 and six that year with the easiest schedule in the league and a lot of holes. And I, I'm not saying they're closer to the 2018 Jags than the 2017 Jags, but I am telling you they're closer to the 2017 Jags than the Super Bowl champion, in my opinion. And I very much think they will sign Foles, which is going to entail cutting Malik Jackson and some other people like that and weakening what they already have, using their the seventh overall pick, on an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, maybe a trade down, you know, something along those lines, tight end in a trade down, some sort of weapon for Foles. And I just don't think Foles is, I don't think going from a bad starting quarterback to a below average starting quarterback is enough to make the Jags champion of the South, you know, king of the South or final four team or, you know, 10 and six or better again, especially if the defense takes a slight step back. But I think that's what they'll do. And then I think they're a likely candidate for a Will Greer to top the second round or trade to 30, 31, 32 to grab a quarterback, uh, you know, that it's starting to slip a little bit. And I would have no problems with that move. I mean, assuming it's the right guy, that adds up to me. That makes some sense. But I do think they're going to put eggs in Foles basket with the intention of get us back to the promised land. And I just don't think that's where they're at as an organization. Okay, we are back. And as I mentioned, one thing I wanted to really scan over quickly is these tags. And some of this information is going to come out as we, as we've heard this, and it does leak out before the deadline. We all know these things. So I went to ESPN's page and they did 20 potential tags. And let's just go quick and what I think they'll do and what they should do. Atlanta, Grady Jarrett, I think that's pretty close to a no-brainer. And this is a team that doesn't have a lot of needs. Keep this guy. He's still young. He's a difference maker. Maybe pair him up with a first-round defensive lineman. I think the Falcons could be in a good bounce-back situation. This one's tough for me. Baltimore, C.J. Mosley. I think if he hits the open market, he gets paid probably more than he's worth, but he's a really good player. They have a lot of defensive free agents. I think I'd almost rather let Mosley go and get you know my investments into like Zadarius Smith and maybe two or three guys instead of one. But I tend to think in the end, the Ravens won't tag Mosley and will do their best because they got to add some. They need more offensive weapons. I'm not sure that they have the luxury to do that. And I think he'll get a lot of money on the open market. Again, probably a little overpaid, but such is life in the free agency world. DeMarcus Lawrence, to me, is a no-brainer with Dallas. Just move on on that one. Um, I've been reading some things that there's questions if the Texans will tag Clowney. That's nuts to me. I mean, that's an obvious one. Tag Clowney. I mean, he's a high-quality player, even if you only get him for a year and then figure it out a year after this and you don't want to give him Khalil Mack money, you don't let him go. I mean, no way. Um, same is true with the Chiefs and D. Ford coming off that year. I think you keep that carrot in front of him on the, you know, on a franchise deal. Perfect situation, but it might cost you Justin Houston in the meantime. Um, they mentioned Dante Fowler with the Rams. I don't see that at all. This is a team that's used the franchise tag quite a bit the last few years, but he's not worthy. I mean, he was a nice little addition. 
But no, I mean, that's he's not good enough is frankly the answer there. And really, I think the answer is the same way with Anthony Barr with the Vikings. They need to spend money elsewhere. Uh, they've invested in Kendricks. I think Barr will change teams and hit the open market. The Patriots are interesting. They're, they have Steven Goskowski here. And there's a couple kickers on here, and honestly, I'm just going to kind of brush over that. Franchising kickers is good business. Do it. Great. But it, it, it was mentioned on Roto World today that they probably will not tag Trey Flowers. And to me, that's more the story. And it's also more the Patriots' way of doing things. You know, they let Chandler Jones go. They traded him. But before paying him, they let him go. They don't put a lot of money in a big-name defensive front seven player. They invest in secondary they don't want contracts rivaling Brady in their locker room. They want to spread it out. I think Flowers moves and has a really good chance to be a Lion. Um, also came out early, just a blurb on Roto World before I hit record here, that they were really after Odell Beckham. Um, that's interesting and scary in a way <laughs> for the rest of the league. I, I know that they won't get him, and we'll get to Antonio Brown here in a minute, but I wonder if they would put a real package together for Brown. I don't think the Steelers would even listen to the Patriots, you know, sending him Brown, them Brown, but I wouldn't doubt at all that they very much would be in the market for a number one type pass catcher, especially considering the status of, of Gronk. Giants, Landon Collins. Um, people seem to think he's going to go, but I think the right move there is tagging him. I think he's one of the true building blocks. Didn't make as many big plays. The defense in general wasn't as good. That's not someone I'm letting go. I'm tagging him on the uh, on a safety number, which isn't that bad. Kind of mentioned Foles. Uh, I don't think they. I don't think they tag him. I just think that the cap's going to be too tight for him. They they are going to have to make some moves either way. Guys like Jason Peters and move on from. Maybe I'm sure they're talking to teams like Jacksonville now, and maybe this one happens, but. You better be pretty damn sure that you have, uh, you know, a, a trade partner in line to do this. And in the end, I don't know that you get enough in return. You can probably just let them walk and concentrate on the rest of your team. Um, I mentioned the Steelers. I think Lev Bell does get the transition tag. And I think that they will end up getting a third-round pick out of someone in this draft in return. That one's interesting, and maybe we'll talk about that one a little more later because there are some questions about Bell. The Niners, Robbie Gold, fine, whatever, do it. Seattle, Frank Clark, yes, I think for sure. No on Earl Thomas, he will leave, gives a finger to the team and the fans, he's gone. But Frank Clark is not someone they can afford to lose, so yes. This one's interesting, Donovan Smith with the Bucks. Certainly not a franchise-caliber left tackle, but they can't afford to leave, lose them. Got better. You got to think Arians is now there, and they need to protect in order to go downfield. Be nice to not have to draft a left tackle with that first round pick while they revamp their defense and the whole style of their defense with Todd Bowles there. So that's an under the radar one that I think might be the right move. Motivation and drive was a little bit of a concern with him coming out of Penn State so maybe this is another case where you franchise him overpay him for a year and keep that carrot in front of him don't extend him or you know maybe you do talk extension but at your price so I wouldn't have a problem with that one but it is a reach I mean it absolutely is I mean you don't think of him as a franchise left tackle by any means um 
All right, let, let's take a quick break, and we'll do a couple more of your questions, and I'll be right back. Again, several of you asked about AB and Le'Veon. I've talked about this a ton on SNR, of course, Steeler Nation Radio. Um, it, I, I don't know if Brown's price tag truly is being driven down or not right now. Because I still think there's five teams that would kill for a number one receiver. And he is so good still on tape. I think in return, the Steelers will get the equivalent of an early second, late first neighborhood from one of five or six teams. You know, Oakland, Green Bay, San Fran, teams like that. Um, I don't think he'll be back. I know him and Mr. Rooney are supposedly meeting in Florida. And maybe they... See, I die, maybe. Um, but I think he's gone around that price tag. And we'll learn a lot more about this one at the Combine. So check back with me for sure on what we're hearing around the Steeler circles at the Combine when these talks will really heat up. As for Bell, I mentioned before, I do think they transition tag him. And I bet with that with the idea of... And the nice thing about both these guys is the way I'm laying it out, they will control then where Brown and Bell ends up to some degree. You know, they don't end up in New England or Baltimore or something like that, which could be the case with a guy like Bell, you know, that if he's not transitioned, they let him go. You know, that a team grabs him, the Steelers get that third a year from now, give or take, and don't have any say and are playing against him more than they want. Where with the transition tag, you have more power, and I think if you know going into right about now that several teams are interested, maybe you end up with an early third-round pick this draft just for, just for holding his contract for a couple months and eating up a little bit of cap space for a couple weeks, I mean. So I think that very well could happen. And the interesting thing, and I'm just kind of speculating here with Bell, but it's such a running back-friendly buyer's market for running backs. There's a lot of them in the draft. Not studs, but there's a lot of them. Kevin Coleman, Jay Ajayi, I mean, tons of guys that aren't Lev Bell, but are pretty damn good players, that in the end, if someone off, if you transition Bell and the Jets offer you, you know, a three-year deal at $35 million or a four-year deal at $40 million, is the deal is the best offer Bell can get. He signs it. If you're the Steelers, you might look at that and say, we offered him well more than that just one year ago. Maybe we'll kiss and make up. You know, I mean, he didn't leave his team out to dry in week 17. He made a business decision for more money. And I think his teammates would understand that a little bit more. I mean, again, that's a little far-fetched. I know they're happy with Connor, don't get me wrong. But if you if you look at them and they say, we offered him 12 or 13 a year, he turned it down, and now we have to match an offer for 9 or 10 a year, Hmm, maybe. Especially if you're already losing Brown. You know, like, can you lose both of them? I think they will in the end, don't get me wrong. But you can see what I'm saying with this one. You know, it gives them some options. Um, Charles asked me, hope things aren't too bad on a personal front. Told you all about, all about that. We're all good. Uh, my question is, if you're the Giants, are you trading up for Haskins? Uh, this is kind of a two-parter for me. Is First of all, I know Eli's loved and all that. But with the recent Flacco news, I think the obvious move for the Giants, and I don't think they'll do this, is cut Eli, sign Keenum, or give up a seventh-round pick for Keenum, give up peanuts for him, reunite Keenum with his coordinator that got the most of them, 
as your stopgap guy, and that saves you like ten million in cap space to make that that, that transaction. Which to me, they're basically the same player for this year, with full intentions, like you asked, to get up to get Haskins or Kyler Murray. I mean, Locke to me, I'd have to be sold on him. I don't know that I could take Locke at seven either, but maybe, maybe, or kind of like we talked about with the Jags, that early second rounder you get back in for you know another type of guy, Greer, somebody like that. And you go in with Keenum and Greer or Keenum and Haskins. Why I was saying it's a two-parter, though, and this is something I very much believe. And draft history has just shown us too much that I very much think one of the first two picks will be a quarterback. And maybe that's Haskins. I don't know. But I don't think you can just sit here and look at all these mocks and all those things and say oh, you'll get a guy, you get Haskins or Kyler Murray or somebody like that at seven. I don't think so. I think Arizona, and especially San Francisco, if Bosa is out, are very much open for business. Um, So, therefore, it's trade up past that top five or so to, you know, get one of your quarterbacks. And the Giants, especially if the Jags would be out of that market after Foles, and if Denver's going to play for today and not for tomorrow the Giants might be the most logical you know and Miami maybe but they have put quite the package together and put a guy in a system that doesn't have much around them so I absolutely could see the Giants getting to one or two getting Haskins I mean maybe three something like that I mean I don't know that the price will be that crazy to get to two or so to get your quarterback this year that it just crushes you my buddy Joshua Silber, we're going to finish the show with this one. Like I said, it's going to be a quick show. Um, rank the following Breeze pass catchers in their prime. Colston, Thomas, Graham. Colston was a really good player, but he's clearly third. And he was one of the first big slots. And I love the way that Peyton used him. And his physicality and trustworthy hands and move the chains. But I don't know, even in his prime, people feared him or, man, we got we can't let Colston beat us. You know, like, does Belichick take Colston away? Ah, no. You know, I mean, he's still a possession dude. And, yeah, I mean, I know it's Pro Bowls and things. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. But I don't know that he had been a good player on any team either. You know, like, he benefited at least as much from the system as vice versa. The other ones I'm torn, and I'm sure most of you are saying, oh, Michael Thomas is the best. And Thomas is freaking awesome. And catches everything, no drops, volume, big plays, toughness, love the player. But think back, you know, remember when Jimmy was, right? I mean, a year or two before he got traded to Seattle? Whew, I mean, that dude was a stud. I mean, that was Hall of Fame tight end play, long strider. Go up and get the ball. I mean, remember he came out of the U as a basketball player, obviously, and quickly turned into a stud football player. I'm going to give the nod to Thomas. But if it wasn't for Gronk, I mean, Jimmy Graham was the best tight end in the league for a four- or five-year stretch. I mean, something like that. I mean, that's not far-fetched. He was a dangerous, dangerous weapon. And maybe he didn't run as well as Kelsey or Kittle 
But, man, he was uncoverable and such a huge catching radius. And Breeze would put it up high and he'd just pull it down or go rebound, grab that thing off the rim and come down hard with it. your elbows out. You know what I mean? And he certainly could run. He certainly could stretch the field. Jimmy Graham, to me, will be an interesting Hall of Fame case. And I'm operating under the assumption that he's basically done. Um, probably doesn't get in, but wow, he was really, really good there for a stretch. And Thomas is too. I mean, Thomas is the best he's ever been. So I'll give Thomas the slight nod there, just because of the volume, I think. And and really, Thomas doesn't have all that much around him right now either. I mean, teams are keying on him. He's getting a lot of doubles. And the system helps all of them, of course. So guys, I'm glad I got this out to you. Like I said, you won't hear from me tomorrow. Um, a lot of nice things you guys have said on Twitter as well. Thank you. And I will be in touch. I'll certainly be tweeting things out. Maybe I'll get a show to you Wednesday. I would say that's unlikely, but not impossible. Shooting for Thursday if everything goes well, but I just don't know where I'll be in times and setting up a sando and all those type of things. You know, we got to make everything work. Um, so thanks so much and spread the word over and out.